Hi, this is Nick Forster. This week, we're going to revisit one of our favorite shows from our 2017 season, and it starts right now. From E-Town Hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, it's E-Town with this week's guests. From Bernice, Louisiana, Robert Finley. From Alaska, Achievement Award winner Chris Pallister. And from Lubbock, Texas, hotshot recording artist Delbert McClinton and self-made men. I'm Helen Forster. Welcome now our host, Nick Forster. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to E-Town Hall. We found each other. Once again, you guys found your way to E-Town. Welcome, this is gonna be fun. We know that music brings us together. We know that rhythm and blues feels good. We know that a certain part of our country has created more feel-good music than just about any other, and that is the two states of Texas and Louisiana. So for some reason, those two states have given birth to more musicians, more musical styles, flavors, more songs, more singers than any other part of the country, and it's been going on for a long time, and we say thank you. We, um, we have got uh, a guy coming up who grew up in the little town of Bernice, Louisiana, played guitar since he was 11. He's now in his 60s, and he's back playing music full-time after a career as a carpenter. We got a guy in his 70s who moved from Lubbock when he was... 11 to Fort Worth with his family. He went on to play in bands as a teenager backing up blues legends like Helen Wolf, Sonny Boy Williamson. And then in 1962, he played the harmonica solo on his friend Bruce Channel's hit record, Hey Baby, and that became a number one hit and sold more than a million copies. Of course, he toured behind that record. And yes, he did help John Lennon uh, refine his harp playing skills back in 62. But, you know, the main thing is this guy kept at it. He kept writing songs and recording. He moved to LA, he moved to Nashville. He had songs cut by others like Emmylou Harris and even the Blues Brothers. Very few singers can be both instantly recognizable and have the music feel so good. But this guy has done that and he's done it for a long time. We're so happy to have him back on the show. Would you help me please welcome back to E-Town along with his band, the one and only Delbert McClinton. Please. 
don't do it I can make it up to you
Delbert McQuinn, good to have you back on the show. Good Welcome to be back. back. You got a new record, Prick of the Litter. Interesting play on words. <laughs> so uh, almost all the songs on the new record you either wrote or co-wrote, uh, a bunch of them with your bandmates Bob Britt and Mike Joyce. Do you guys write on the road or just at home? Uh, well, we don't write so much on the road. Uh, I don't know why, but that's never been something that's come real easy to me. I kind of got to have an atmosphere to write, and being on the road is not the atmosphere. Yeah. Is it more like uh, you just invite them over to your house and, and yeah. have Yeah, yeah, we beers. get together yeah. and, uh, and sit across each other from guitars and try to make stuff up. Yeah. Is that like one of your favorite things to do, like your favorite pastime? You know, once you're home and you're not touring, just oh, yeah, hang man. out and make stuff up. Well, but also, I've got a place in Mexico that we go to. That sounds... That's where we do the best work. Oh, that's cool. And so that's the right atmosphere where the creativity can really flow. It does quite well, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So most people know a bunch of your backstory, and I don't want to go too deep into it. No, but... they don't know much. <laughs> Well, I want to ask you a couple things. Like, for okay. example, one of your first bands, The Straight Jackets. What, uh, what were the clubs like in Fort Worth for a band like yours at that time in the early 60s? What kind of places could you play? They were dance halls. Yeah. That's what they were called, and that's, people came to dance. Yeah. Back in the early or mid-50s, mid-late 50s when I started doing this. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to play in the dance halls, the beer joints, you had to make people dance. If you couldn't make them dance, you're out. Wow. So uh, we made them dance. Yeah. Were the clubs segregated at all? Were there white clubs oh, and black yeah. clubs? Yeah, they were very segregated. Yeah. yeah. So how is it that you guys could then also back up Howlin' Wolf and, and Lightning Hopkins and Jimmy Well, Reed? those guys were brought in uh, to be special guests for the weekend. At the dance places? Y yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the, the audience was white, but the artists could be black. Yes. Yeah. Hey, in case you just tuned in, you're listening to E-Town. I'm here with Delbert McClinton. Um, you had some heart surgery not long ago, and things went well, apparently. They did. I fortunately didn't have a heart attack. Hmm. I felt really strange. Nothing like you hear somebody says, why do you feel this if you're having a heart attack? I just felt like something was wrong all over. I told the guys, I think I need to go to the hospital. And I was 95% blocked in the main artery. Hmm. And the next day, they cleaned it out. And I feel like I'm 50 again. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you, uh, you have always been a guy who can sing in just about any key. And now you're even stronger. I am. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> well, listen, you've been at this a long time, playing songs, writing, recording, 60 years or whatever, almost. And that's 63. 63 actually. years you've been doing this. That's a long time. Yeah. Is, uh, is there... 
Is there anything out there that you uh, kind of still dream of doing? Somebody you'd like to sing with or record with or any like, man, someday I'd really like to do this? Yeah. There's only one thing I want to do. I want to sing with Gaga. <laughs> she is the stuff, I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, have you, have you reached out to her people? No, I haven't, but... Uh, all right, we'll, we'll get to work on that. Okay. Yeah, all right. Let all me right. know when it happens. Okay, all right. <laughs> that is not what I was expecting. <laughs> but it's always good to have a dream, isn't it? That's right. You got to have a dream. You got to have a dream. You got to have a dream. <laughs> well, listen, congratulations again. We're going to get back to music. The uh, new record, once again, is called Prick of the Litter. The ever irreverent and hardworking and fun Delbert McClinton. Welcome back to E Town. Delbert McClinton, 
along with his band Bob Britt, James Pennebaker, Mike Joyce, Jack Bruno, Kevin McKendry, Scott Duque, and Bob Rebholtz, the record. Brick of the Litter, out on Hot Shot Records. These guys will be back to play some more music later on in the show. This portion of E-Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. As a reminder, for your viewing pleasure, there are over 2,000 videos on the E-Town YouTube channel, where you can also subscribe in order to stay up to date with our latest offerings. And if you're curious about E-Town's home base, E-Town Hall, our beautiful solar-powered music venue, community center, and recording studio located in downtown Boulder, Colorado, you can learn more about it on our website, etown.org. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. You're listening to E-Town. Delbert McClinton's going to be back later on along with his band. And coming up, great musician, guitar player, singer, and songwriter from Louisiana. Robert Finley is here. He's going to be out in just a little while. Before we get back to music, though, I'm going to introduce you to somebody we get to meet with uh, uh, the help of one of our listeners. And uh, we get to do this every week. Somebody out there is stepping up and making a difference in their hometowns. And uh, folks we find out about from folks just letting us know. These are often pretty small stories. People take small steps to try to make things better, and they often add up to making a bigger difference. And uh, we're proud to be able to share those stories with all of you. We give them the Achievement Award, and here comes Helen Forster to tell you about this week's winner. Thanks, Nick. Listener Liam Cummer turned us on to this week's story. Chris Pallister first moved to Alaska in 1981 to work a construction job. One of his favorite places to visit there was Prince William Sound. He'd read about it as a kid and made a point to check it out. He noticed that there was a certain amount of garbage buildup on the shore, but didn't think much about it at the time. Years later, he left Alaska for law school in Oregon. When he graduated, he returned to Alaska. And at that time, he was totally dismayed by the major increase in garbage that had steadily been accumulating at the Sound since he'd last seen it. Well, he knew he had to do something about it. The trick was, though, that the coastline in many areas made it impossible to get the proper equipment in there to do the job. But that didn't stop Chris. He founded a small but dedicated group to go out and pick up the trash by hand from some of the most hard-to-reach coastline areas, and the results have truly been amazing so far. And he's here to tell us more about it. Chris is here from Alaska. He's going to tell us about the project, how it works, and what they've accomplished. And right now, I ask you to join me in welcoming our winner this week, Chris Pallister of Anchorage, Alaska. Chris, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you, Nick. So you had read about Prince William Sound as a kid, is that right, Helen said? Yeah, I, I was kind of in the nautical stories in, and I read a story about people hunting and stuff in Prince William Sound, and the chart just fascinated me because of all the intricate passageways and highlands and stuff. And yeah. How, I always wanted to go there. Yeah. Did it meet your expectations? 
far exceeded them. Yeah. It's a huge area. Look at the map, and it doesn't look like much, but it's 100 miles wide and 100 miles north and south, so you know, 10,000 square miles of islands and coastline. There's, yeah. there's over 3,500 miles of really rugged, remote shoreline just in that area. And so as you were there for the first time, you noticed some debris and trash on the beach, but it didn't make a big impression on you. No, you don't really see it when you're just touring around and stuff. And, yeah. and the inner sound's pretty clean, but when you get on those outer beaches, it's just astounding. And those outer beaches are hard to get to? Very hard. I mean, you're dealing with rocky, brown bears, horrendous weather. I mean, it's yeah. a pretty tough environment. Yeah. And so it seems it must be kind of incongruous. You go through this crazy, this crazy journey to get there, and, and you're in the deepest wilderness. And then there's all this trash and no people. That's exactly right. Montague Island is the single biggest uninhabited island in the United States. It's 50 miles long, and nobody lives on it. And there's 20 to 30 tons of plastic per mile on those outer shorelines. My God. And that, that is a massive volume of plastic. And this is all stuff that's drifting in across the Pacific from Asia. Upwards of 50% of it is derelict commercial fishing debris, but a lot of that is from foreign fishing fleets and uh, yeah. offshore fleets. But the, all the consumer items that we find, they're pretty much all from the Western Pacific countries. Right. So tell me how this works. How do you do this? We have a professional crew, we call them, and they're guys that have been working for us for years, and we have boats, and we take them out to these outer islands, because we worked our way out of Prince William Sound gradually, and our target was always these outer coastlines, but it took us a lot of years, we've been doing this 15 years or something, to get yeah. to the ability and the money and the infrastructure that we needed to do it. But now we take our crews out there, and we anchor our boats in the protected waters on the inside, then we use helicopters to go to the outside because we, we can go around and then try and get on the outside where all the garbage There's is. No way but, to land, right? You, can't. you know, it, it's dead calm maybe, but we've had guys get on shore in dead calm weather and then these big ocean swells will start coming in and they're trapped. Right. It really got down to where to be efficient, we had to use helicopters. So our costs are really high. Yeah. And the danger is not insignificant. No, it's really pretty treacherous. We've had guys injures, we're dealing in great big log jams. I mean, yeah. sometimes the logs are piled 15 feet high and they're plumb full of garbage. And so we have two guys on chainsaws all day long cutting through the log jams to get all the entangled lines and nets out. So you got that danger, you got logs rolling around, you're slipping on rocks. And we've had a lot of times when our surf boats have been flipped and people have been thrown out. And wow. you know, that's really the helicopters have been a big factor in reducing yeah. the risk. And what's the typical number of people that you're dealing with at a given time in terms of your crew? We usually have 8 to 12 people in the crew during the summertime. Sometimes we'll have three helicopters and a massive barge. We've got all those people working. It's amazing that this is such an innocent idea. Like, oh, look at all this garbage. I'm going to help clean up the garbage. I mean, that's like what a nice guy kind of thing to do. But then it turns out to be this incredible logistical uh, challenge and incredible expensive operation. And then tell us a little bit about what happens once you gather all this stuff up and you're in these remote places. What do you do with it? We've realized that the best way to do this is consolidate all this debris in what we, super sacks or big sacks, yeah. about a yard and a third cubic yard. And then we put those up above the high tide line or out of the storm surges and stuff and just keep doing that until we have enough consolidated to justify bringing a big barge out. And those barges will run... Seventeen to twenty-five thousand dollars a day. So you, you want to have a full barge load. I yeah. mean, and we want to take out three hundred tons of plastic, five hundred tons of plastic at a time. So that's a lot of debris. Yeah. 
I can't even imagine 500 tons of plastic garbage. Now, does some of it get processed or recycled or anything like that? Yeah, and we had a sponsor, uh, Parley for the Oceans. They agreed to fund the recycling projects. We brought all the anchorage, and we got like 100 volunteers that came in there. I think we had 1,200 super sacks, or about 300 tons of plastic. And those volunteers came back every single day, and in five days, we sorted every single bit of that and recycled probably 60, 70% of it. Holy smokes. So, so Chris, um, some people might uh, question your sanity. Yeah, I mean, I do that on a regular basis. Yes. <laughs> but let me ask you about the results. Yeah, we've now cleaned over 1,500 miles of shoreline. 1,500 miles? 1,500 miles. Wow. And it's costing $100,000 a mile. $100,000 a mile? A mile. And how are you raising the dough? It's tough. I mean, yeah. it, things are drying up. Uh, the Japanese government very generously funded us for three years to clean up some of that tsunami debris, and there's a massive amount of it out there everywhere. And the Exxon Valdez Oil Spill Trustee Council, using money from the oil spill settlement, funded us for four seasons, and we've got state grants and federal grants through NOAA. But those sources of money are drying up. It's getting yeah. very difficult now. Wow. Yeah, it's just hard. <laughs> oh, man, I can tell. I can tell it's hard. Holy smokes. Well, Chris, um, you have a name for this organization? Yeah, it's Golf of Alaska Keeper. Golf of Alaska Keeper. And there's a website? Yes, goak.org. Goak.org. How do you spell that? Goak.org. Okay. I confess I'm the world's worst person about keeping our website updated. So. Well, it sounds like you got some other stuff to do. Yeah. Yeah. Plenty. Um, but I think it's literally one of the most incredibly ambitious community outreach, cleaning up garbage projects I've ever even imagined. But, you know, it's all about habitat, and that's all critical habitat. You know, there's endangered sea lions, there's endangered birds, there's, you know, fish that are depleted, and plastic is not just unsightly. It's horrible pollution. It's got all kinds of nasty chemicals in it, stuff which we know our studies have shown are leaching out and getting into salmon and compromising their immune system and stuff. So Fisheries it's a serious issue. Yeah. The marine debris exists in all oceans of the world. They find it at the North Pole. It's in practically every organism they look at in the ocean now. And it's from the surface to the bottom of the ocean. It, in my opinion, after global warming, it's the most serious environmental problem on the planet. Wow. It's really big. Well, Chris, thanks for doing this. Thanks for starting this and thanks for riding this so that's, you know, where it is now and the impact you're having is amazing. It's enlightening to hear you talk about it. Thanks so much for coming down and sharing your story with us. This week's Achievement Award winner is Chris Pallister, Gulf of Alaska Keeper. If you want more information, go to goak.org. Congratulations, Chris. Thank you. Appreciate it. Man, that's a great story. If you just tuned in and you missed part of it, uh, you can find it on our website, etown.org. If you want to find out how to support Chris's work, or if you'd like to nominate someone doing great work to better the lives of others or the planet in some way, you can do that on our website as well by heading to our homepage and clicking on the word award at the far right of the top menu. You can learn what we look for, and you can submit your nomination there. Or you can always write us the old-fashioned way at Box 954, Boulder, Colorado, 80306. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, Chris. Remarkable story, as she said. So we got more music coming up from Delbert McClinton in just a little while, and his band will be there, too. 
Right now, I want to tell you about what's next. Robert Finley. Uh, he grew up in Bernice, Louisiana, a little lumber town named after the infant daughter of the man who sold the land for the town back in 1899. Robert began playing guitar when he was 11 years old. And in 1970, he joined the army, ended up leading an army band in Germany uh, before heading back home. And he kind of kept up his music thing when he got back to Louisiana, but eventually uh, went to work as a carpenter, which he did for most of his adult life until he started to lose his eyesight. So that forced him to give up carpentry. He went back to music. And uh, around that time, there's an organization called Music Makers Foundation. They helped him uh, get a nice instrument and meet a producer and... He made his first record. He's just had all kinds of attention since then. His first record was called Age Don't Mean a Thing. Last year, he put out a five-song EP with Dan Auerbach from the Black Keys. That's the soundtrack to a graphic novel that's called Murder Ballads. And there is a brand-new record also in partnership with Dan Auerbach that's coming out. He is both a veteran performer who's been at this a long time, and he's a newcomer. So please welcome for his first visit to E-Town, Robert Finley. I got a problem, y'all. I got a problem. I got a snake. Crawling in my grass And I can't catch him He's just a little bit too fast But I got a snake Crawling in my grass And one of these days I'm gonna cross his path I told my neighbor I told my friend Try to help me stop that old snake from coming in But once I told them What my baby was trying to do Don't you know my neighbor He started trying to get into Oh, something going on And I know it ain't right But she's not satisfied Till the phone rang every night I got a snake Crawling in my grass and I can't catch him He's just a little bit too fast But I know it's a snake Crawling in my grass And one of these days I'm gonna cross the path The low down dirty snake Let me tell you what he do He bites my old lady And he's charming my children too even my baby won't tell me his name What he done to my family, y'all It's a doggone crying shame Whatever he's doing He must be doing it right Cause she's not satisfied Till the phone rang every night I got a snake Crawling in my grass And I can't catch him it's just a little bit too fast But I know it's a snake Crawling in my grass And one of these days I'm gonna cross the path 
laid off from work one day trying to catch him in my home but by the time I made it back he'd bit my girl and gone I've never seen him but I can tell when he's been there every time he come y'all he leaves such a funky smell what's oh, something going on and I know it ain't right She's not satisfied till the phone rang every night. I got a snake crawling in my grass, and I can't catch him. It's just a little bit too fast, but I know it's a snake crawling in my grass. And one of these days, I'm gonna catch his ass. Dirty snake, it's a dirty snake. Crawling in my grass. Thank you. Thank you. Well, uh-huh. Ooh, baby. Free. But I was down and out and I 
Robert Finley, welcome to E-Town. So good to meet you, good to hear you. Bernice, Louisiana sounds like a small town. Yeah, it's about uh, 1,600 people. 1,600 people. But they're good people. Yeah. Now, I understand when you were growing up, you had a love of gospel quartets. The music spoke to you in some way, right? Right, right. My mom and dad all sung in gospel quartets. Mm -hmm. We had to sing in the choir whether we wanted to or not. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, was your family, your family was pretty religious. Very religious. Uh, Well, to be honest, we wasn't allowed to even play blues on the radio, more less than be caught singing it. Yeah. But you know, kids will be kids. Yeah. <laughs> Is that story true about you getting some money for new shoes? Very true story. Yeah, well, tell us what happened. I had helped my dad do a little job, and he decided to pay me, and he said, don't waste your money on candy and cookies. He said, I want you to do something with it. So he sent me to town. This was to be my first time to uh, actually buy my own shoes. But before I got to the shoe store, I had to pass by a store, and they had a beautiful guitar in there. How old were you when this was happening? Oh, I was 10. 10. And it had a price on it of $19.95, and I had $20. (laughs) (laughs) Go to tomorrow's stories. I didn't know nothing about taxes or anything like that. So the lady, when she added it up, she was telling me what it was going to cost. And I say, ma'am, we're looking at the sign. It says 1995, okay? <laughs> All right. It was five of us little boys, me and four of my friends. So our plan was to buy the guitar, get the nickel back, and buy us some bubble gum <laughs> on the way home. Because so, bubble gum was a penny then. So. Yeah. We, I said, five of us, we'll have a piece of bubble gum apiece left. So, so uh, my dad wasn't very pleased with it, but uh, at the time he said, well, it was your money. Mm-hmm. Then I began to play in a gospel group. Oh, cool. uh, was, uh, at the age of 12, it was the gospel bells. And the gospel bells. How old were you when you joined the Army? I went in on my 19th birthday. So you're a teenager still, but you're over there, and pretty soon you get in a band. Mm-hmm. You were doing cover songs, and this is 1970 or 71, something like uh, that? This was in 1974. 74. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you go back home to Louisiana, and uh, it's tough to keep a band together and find enough work and so on, right? Yeah. Uh, see, in the military, it was real easy because if a guy had orders to be at rehearsal at 6 o'clock. If he's not there, he's AWOL, you know, and which came out of his check. But uh, once I got back to the States, Willie may show up, he may not, because, you know, these were all young guys. It wasn't a season like these professionals that you got here today. Yeah. Well, I'm just trying to imagine. So you put it aside, and uh, you went into uh, being a carpenter and building houses, right? Right. Uh, I put the, uh, the R&B on the back burner, and... Uh, Started playing for the local churches every Sunday so that uh, I would stay in shape. So you were keeping your hand in it, but still working a day job. Right. How long ago did you start losing your sight? And and I understand that's what kept you from keeping the day job, right? Right. Uh, Well, it's been about two and a half years now, close to three years. I got to where I couldn't tell the difference between a three and an eight, uh, you know. So the numbers On the tape measure. On the tape measure, right. And... uh, I got to making mistakes on my cuts. And before I humiliated myself, I uh, just decided to pull out of it. Um, You know, sometimes men don't like to go to the doctor, 
And when I did decide to go, I had almost waited too late uh, because I had lost all of my right eye and probably 60% of my left one. So, But uh, it's not said as a pity party because it took me losing one thing in order to find myself yeah. what I really I feel like my true calling were. Yeah. Well, listen, Robert, I think it's an amazing story. And uh, it's, it's great that you're on the road, you're traveling. I know you're playing festivals and playing clubs and recording. And, right. It uh, just sounds like things are going well and you're getting to do something you were born to do and that you love uh, doing. I'm living my childhood dream. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's get back to music. Welcome back, if you would, Mr. Robert Finley from Bernie's, Louisiana. Yes, it is. I'm trying to tell you, baby. 
are going around town The age don't mean a thing Said all she wants is my money But all you can tell them, Robert said it The age don't mean a thing All I want is my honey Robert Finley, Bernice, Louisiana. The newest record is called Going Platinum. Along with E-Tones, Christian Teal, Paul McDaniel, Ron Jolly, and Helen Forster. Robert Finley. Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, or SCFD, one of the largest cultural funding mechanisms in the United States, supporting nearly 300 organizations in the greater Denver area. And by our diverse family of NPR affiliates and community stations, plus college and commercial stations, as well as our international stations and podcast subscribers worldwide. Thank you for your continued support. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. I'd like to say hello to our listeners who are hearing E-Town on stations like WVTF in Roanoke, Virginia, on KRFC in Fort Collins, Colorado, and on KPUP in Patagonia, Arizona. As always, if you'd like some more information about any of the things that we're up to here at E-Town, lots of information is online at etown.org. And don't forget to check out our YouTube channel to watch videos of this show and many, many others. Now, uh, we've got two artists this week, one from Louisiana, one from Texas, two states that have been relatively hammered by big storms and floods and hurricanes and such. These mega storms are happening more often because warmer ocean temperatures give the storms more energy and moisture and lead to more rainfall and higher sea levels, mean more, more flooding and storm surge, and they're exacerbated because of climate change. Now is an excellent time to start talking about that stuff because... 
it's so obvious and it's so relevant and it's okay to talk about it. We are a nation of innovators. We will figure out a, a new path. And uh, these Louisiana and Texas folks uh, deserve our full attention because they are in harm's way more than many. Right now, would you please help me welcome back to E-Town along with his fine band, the self-made men, Mr. Delbert McClinton. That's Delvin McClinton with his band, Bob Britt on guitar, James Pennebaker on guitar, Mike Joyce on the bass, Jack Bruno on the drums, Kevin McKendry on the keyboards, Scott Duque on the trumpet, and Bob Rebholz on the sax. The record's called Prick of the Litter. We've got time for one more song. I want to get everybody out on stage. A special thanks to Robert Finley coming up from Bernice, Louisiana. Along with Helen and the E-Tones. Thanks to our award winner, Chris Pallister, cleaning up the trash on the remote beaches of Alaska. Incredible effort on behalf of all of us. Thanks to Delbert McClinton and his band, those self-made men. 
Thanks to all of you for being with us. I'm Nick Forster. Hope you can be with us next week right here in E-Town. Nonprofit organization. To make an Achievement Award nomination or comment on the show in general, feel free to visit our website, etown.org, or contact us through Twitter or our two Facebook pages. possible by our family of sponsors, this station, and listeners like you.
This is a production of E-Town. There you have it. One of our favorites from our 2017 season, Delbert McClinton. Just can't beat him. Thanks to Robert Finley and, of course, Chris Pallister, our award winner. I'm Nick Forster. Thank you for listening.